Welcome back to the Hex Drinkers podcast. I'm Jules. I'm joined by Eric. Hello. And Chef. Yep. And boys, we're back on the grind. We've got another set coming up. We've got some spoilers. We've got some mechanics to discuss, some lore. Are you ready? Are you ready, Are you ready to return to our reg- regularly scheduled programming? Yeah. It was a good I, couple weeks. I am ready to understand <laughs> the lore of this, particularly because I was like, I think I understand what's happening. We're sort of rewinding the clock. We're going back to look at this big event that we know happened, but we don't know quite everything about. And then I saw Sahili here, and I got confused. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> jumping right in, because we're all business on the uh, Hextrickers podcast, the, the lore or story that was released for this set kind of came in two varieties. There were five episodes that portrayed various points during the Brothers War. Um, one was the fall of Krug. One was the um, Urza's wife uh, after the Brothers War at the beginning of the Ice Age. There was some more um, like detailing the trench warfare between uh, Urza's troops and Mishra's. But all around that, there was a frame story of the modern-day um, team of Teferi, Sahili, Kaya, and Joda um, creating a time machine for Teferi's spirit to go back in time to witness Urza uh, using the Silex. So they could use that ability that Urza did to destroy the Planeswalkers the first time in the present day. Um, to go back to the Dominar United story, uh, Karin found the Golgothan Silex, and their plan was to use that against Phyrexia, but that version was destroyed uh, by the Phyrexians when Ajani revealed himself to be a, a sleeper agent. So Sahili made a copy of that Silex based on design notes and stuff, but they didn't know how it worked. So the only thing they could think of was go back in time and see how Urza did it, uh, and then they would try to copy that. It really feels like we're wasting this whole go back in time thing. Like, they really, I feel like they could have added a bit more complexity, a bit more intrigue to this. It, it definitely was a framing device to be like, this was a cool concept, or this was a cool conflict. Let's do it in modern design. Let's uh, talk about what led to the creation of Phyrexia. And the, the going back in time was very much just how we, the viewers, could go there in the modern story and keep that going along. Because there's also very clearly uh, Teferi, when he goes back in time, he can't interact with anything. Weirdly, he gets seen as like a space ghost, um, but he can't like interact with events and stuff until the very last bit of story where he ends up talking to Urza uh, right as Urza uses the Silex. Because he's like, you know, screw it. Um, I, we need to know how this works besides just big boom boom. Um, and then they have like a, a nice little gentle conversation. To the end that uh, you need to pour your body and soul into the Silex. And I think we can talk about it a little bit when we get to previews. Because we do have a legendary artifact of the Silex. Um, and it's in using the Silex that uh, Urza also gets his spark. So it's a, a big event for, for Urza and the multiverse as a whole. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess that brings to light the question of, like, if someone who is already a Planeswalker uses the right. Silex, what happens then? I think they lose their spark. I, I think that's what we're going to see. Um, I, 
because it feels very much like if I remember correctly from the lore all the way last week, it was something like once it's used, you pour your entire essence into it, and Urza is literally destroyed in the process, like ripped to shreds and becomes something else. So I think it takes sacrifice to charge, and I, as we've kind of seen with like Karn getting Venser's um, spark and that sort of stuff, I don't think you become a double planeswalker. That's fair. <laughs> I didn't think you would, but I was curious. Could be but fun. I do wonder if it kills a planeswalker or just removes their spark. I mean, it could make them like as powerful as like a pre-mending planeswalker mm, if they really true. wanted to just throw a wrench straight into the works and and be like <laughs> this this yeah. you destroy yourself, but you get super juiced and ultimately become undestroyed. Uh, but anyway, Chev, any any particular story highlights you want to do before we actually get to diving into the cards? So I, I there isn't there isn't um, much to bring up that uh, we haven't kind of inadvertently talked about in last week's episode with the Planeswalker superlatives, where the the beats that we care about from this lore dump uh, that affect the modern day is uh, Teferi and company have successfully gone back in time, and Teferi thinks he knows how to work the Silex. Uh, the one hitch there is the tower where they were at, I guess, when all this was going down, um, was attacked by Phyrexians, leaving Teferi kind of stuck in time. Um, the process that they used to go back also involved Kaya, so Kaya might have some of the knowledge um, that Teferi was missing, but currently Teferi is, like, stuck in the time stream, and his body is in the present day, but his soul could be anywhere. So we'll probably have to figure that out when we come back to them after our visit to New Phyrexia in the next set. Uh, other than that, we have uh, Tezzeret, who seems to be working completely for himself, which is no one is surprised. He's trying to get his mm -hmm. dark steel uh, armor. He's been working with the Phyrexian, but also with Urabrask, who wants to stop the completion of the Phyrexians. And he doesn't kill Elspeth when given the chance in a battle against uh, Rona. He just saves Rona, brings her back to New Phyrexia, but doesn't kill Elspeth when she's on the ground. So he seems to want the, the good guys to win a little bit. Good guys are able to put off that attack, and we're getting a sort of beginning of a War of the Spark vibe as the, the story ends, which shows Chandra and Nyssa and Nahiri and all the other Planeswalkers kind of coming to Dominaria to set up shop before they split up and go to New Phyrexia to join up with Koff and the Mirren Rebels and uh, to rally more people on Ravnica, where Jace currently was. Um, so that's kind of where the modern day comes in. And then they didn't really do a lot of actual Brothers War lore. They, they did a couple story beats where they kind of explored various different time periods or areas, but they really just seemed to try to be pushing the idea that the war was felt heavily on both sides and that there is no real um, person who was on the side of good. You know, uh, Mishra ends up teaming up with the Phyrexians, which is obviously bad, but the people that were fighting for Mishra and the people that were fighting for Urza kind of just saw it as an endless war. And there was a lot of comparisons really to World War One, I, I think, where mm -hmm. you have these superpowers like battling each other, but it's really just kings in high castles pointing troops and the troops themselves, um, you know, don't really have much of a stake in it besides the ones who've lost their homes. But then this war goes on for 20, 30 years too. So it's just endless warfare endless conflict and that is the vibe they're really trying to hammer home without going into too much detail on the big story beats of that conflict in the first place 
I'm assuming we have those in previous lores and, and novels and stuff from back in the day. Right, yeah. I, I The, the general gist, because they try to cover, like, Urza and Mishra's entire life in the set, too, right? Because there's, like, four different versions of Urza, four different ones of Mishra, from uncommon to mythic rare, and then the meld ones as well. And it, it's essentially, they find this big fancy rock um, called the Power Stone, I think, and they both touch it, and they get, like, visions of Phyrexia or something, and they're like, oh, that sounds scary. Uh, and then it splits into two, where you have the, the Might Stone and the Meek Stone, um, Meek Stone going to Mishra, Might Stone going to Urza, um, and then they they do what brothers do, and there's some stuff that happens. Uh, I think the war really starts when Mishra and the Dragon Engines destroy Krug, which is where uh, Urza's wife Kayla is from, um, and then uh, Mishra goes more and more to the side of Phyrexia. Gix is kind of colluding as one of the OG Praetors from old Phyrexia. Uh, and ends up creating, with Mishra's help, creating a portal where Gix comes to Dominaria, and Mishra becomes more and more Phyrexian until he's just a giant robot. Um, and then, of course, the Silex goes and wipes out the Phyrexian presence on Dominaria for a time, uh, and that leads to the Ice Age. But all that is irrelevant Boom. for the current story. It's just kind of cool to see, and we get a bunch of cool artifacts for it. It would be, this is something I kind of wanted to bring up in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to see them um, do, obviously they'll need to finish this current story arc, but it would be interesting to see them rehash some of these larger uh, story beats from from old with modern set design and modern sensibilities and the modern storylines that we're getting, uh, you know, where they could kind of, of, there's a lot of magic events of yore, that mm-hmm. we, that the general populace doesn't know much about. Maybe if you were there on the ground floor and you bought the, right. the novels or whatever. The no- you yeah, knew, the novelizations and stuff. It'd be interesting for them to kind of do like these quote-unquote flashback sets where they're just like, we're just redoing this. And like, you know, for six months we're going to take a break from, you know, the, yeah. the Justice League and just be like, oh, here is this particular event on Darmanaria. Here's this particular event on Ravnica or whatever. That would be a pretty sweet framing device for when we get those experimental, quote-unquote experimental sets like Battle Bond or Modern Horizons or in that sort of summer period where you can kind of go off the rails. But I also wouldn't mind a year, yeah, just going into some of these older ones where you don't have to build it into the current story of, oh, Teferi is going back in time to learn stuff. Just be like, listen, you know, the year is 2006, we're on Lorwyn. Uh, here's what went down. Um, or, you know, really getting to the old school Dominaria stuff with... Uh, Mirage and all those old old uh, blocks. Yeah, that'd be very cool. I think that would be sick. Yeah. Um, overall, I I think that this was an interesting way to do it. Like having to very be like the viewer and be mm-hmm. as a way to cycle it. In. What is the next set? The next set is Phyrexia. All will be one. And it is going to be on take place on New Phyrexia from the Phyrexians' perspective. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Do we and know what's think, after what's that? We've got, or we, what was that? that? Do we know what's after that, or has that not been announced yet? No, we we know uh, everything that's going on next year. Uh, they announced yeah. that in August. I believe it's all will be one. And then and March then, um, of the Machines. Yeah. Um, which I believe is the the name of the big event that is going to occur where all these heroes are fighting Phyrexia and it will change the multiverse forever. 
Um, there's a like quick follow-up set, I guess. Um, I forget where exactly that comes in because I don't think it's like a, a premiere set. Um, but maybe I, I really thought a... they said briefly they were going to do like March of the Machine one and then yes, part exactly. two. Yes, exactly. Kind of like how they were splitting. That's where I'm getting. There, there was March of the Machine, which is the event, but then it's March of the Machine's like aftermath. So it's not necessarily like hmm. part one and part two. It's like here's the big conflict and then dealing with the fallout. And then after that, next year we're going to the wilds of Eldraine and finishing it off with Splunking in Ixalan. I'm excited for more Ixalan. <laughs> yeah, that'll be really good. I'm, I'm excited to see like cave diving and that kind of exploring over there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think, I feel like we've, we've True. spoken enough to the narrative here. Let's, let's, let's get into some mechanics. Mechanics. We've only got like one really new mechanic this time. Um, but we are seeing the return of Meld in three cards, which is, is pretty cool. It's used for Urza, Mishra, and Titania, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Titania yeah. will probably see the most play in our playgroup, uh, given that Eric runs a mono-green Legends deck. Um, Very which I feel true. like he's getting a bunch of new toys this set. Yeah, there's some cool green uh, Legendaries. And then also yeah, just, like, I mean... green spells that aren't, uh, aren't either... Like... <laughs> Awaken yeah, the I woods. I mean, as usual, as usual, Wizards is is continuing the perpetual theme of legends matter, and we love legends, and so does everybody else. So yeah, there's a, there's a ton of legends in here of all colors, but definitely some good green ones. Yeah, the meld is cool to come back, and then uh, our only uh, we're we're also getting some unearth, which is which mm. is coming back, which is cool because Chev, you've been talking about doing an unearth uh, commander for a while, and I don't know if any of the cards in this set is gonna change the commander you've selected but maybe you'll tell us later but we only have one new mechanic so far so far we haven't seen all the cards but i would be surprised if they had like a spoiler no, I, yeah i think the mechanics are out <laughs> yeah is a uh, is prototype which mm-hmm. we get on a bunch of artifact creatures and um basically you may cast this spell with a different mana cost color and size which notably, I think this is the first time we're hearing power and toughness batched together as size. Right. Um, but it keeps its abilities and uh, types. So basically, this is a way to. It's just modal. It's modal artifact creatures, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also will give them a color. So currently, I'm looking at Skitterbeam Battalion. Uh, also, for some reason, all of these are like a million mana. This is nine mana for a 4 uh, 4 construct trample haste. And when it enters. Um, if you cast it, create two tokens that are copies of it, uh, but you can prototype it per, for three red red, and then it's a 2-2, two, two, but it will still copy itself when it comes in. It's just right. smaller and technically red this time as opposed to uh, colorless. Yeah, and I, right. I think it's interesting that they are all colored as prototypes. Um, yeah. So so some of that was... Uh, <laughs> you guys might remember Kaladesh and all the fun that uh, Artifacts did there. But there's been a few people from uh, WotC that have come out and said the idea behind Prototype, they're all on massive artifacts that would be colorless. Um, <clears throat> and Prototype brings a color, so not every deck can run them. Um, we still have that stuff for uh, Commander, where the color identity includes Prototype. But it's just an idea to let every color kind of play around with artifacts, and but have large artifacts still be a big proponent of the set because, you know, both Mishra and Urza are the best artificers of all time. So artifacts playing in, but also all colors getting access to them in a um, unique way, I think was really what Prototype is trying to solve. Yeah. 
Which I, I do like, as I have stated, that I don't like it when artifacts are just on-rate colored effects. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know what? If you want to pay five mana for a 3-5 reach trample, play green. You want to pay ten mana for a reach trample 10-10? Do whatever you want. Um, mm-hmm. One of these cards that I think is very interesting is one of the mythics in the set is Arcane Proxy, seven mana, or one and two blue. If you cast for one and two blue, it comes in as two one. Uh, If you cast for seven, it comes in as a four three. It's an artifact creature wizard. When Arcane Proxy enters the battlefield, if you cast it, exile target instant or sorcery card with mana value less than or equal to Arcane Proxy's power from your graveyard. Copy that card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. This feels like it's designed to be like, you can pay 7 mana to get a 4-3 and a 4 mana spell, or 3 mana for a 2-1 and a 3 mana spell, but I feel like they're forgetting that there are just static effects that can change the power and toughness of creatures, where you can just run stuff where it's like, creatures you control get plus 2 plus 0 this turn. You play this, and then... You pay three mana to get a four mana spell back, and I, I, I'm curious to see if you could bust this. Yeah, well, so I think the the um, the bigger thing, especially with these prototype creatures, is uh, prototype is essentially reverse kicker. So it's not it's when you blink these cards, they come in as the larger form. Uh, so not with arcane proxy because it is a a cast etb if you cast it. Um, but for the rest of these, it's like, especially in blue, you're playing Depth Charge Colossus. Six mana, six, six, or a nine mana, nine, nine. Um, you can play it, blink it, and then you've got your, your full-powered creature. Uh, so I think that that is more likely the way that these are going to break um, than anything else. <laughs> That's fair. Um, that also works particularly well with Depth Charge Colossus, because you can swing mm-hmm. it as a six, six, blink it, comes back to untapped, you don't have to pay the mana. And then it's a 9-9. And then I, I think the, the last quote-unquote mechanic is Power Stones, which we saw in Karn from Dominaria United. Uh, Power Stones are a artifact token that enter the battlefield tapped and tap for a colorless that can't be used to cast non-artifact spells. So to be clear, it can only cast artifacts or be used for creature abilities. Uh, it is colorless, so <laughs> that will only take you so far. Um... I'm not sure how many great payoffs we've seen for them yet, but it will be really interesting to see this new game object and how how many decks can truly take advantage of it. Because uh, it, it is, you know, tied and limited to artifacts when casting the spells, but it, it does seem like having a wide amount of artifact tokens is something that already so many decks can take advantage of. And this time they tap for mana and don't disappear immediately. <laughs> yeah, uh... I was thinking that too. I was like, do we really want to, even though they, they, as far as I can see, they all come in tapped, which is great Mm -hmm. because it's not like you can combo off and then use power stones. You get to make more power stones or something like that. Obviously they're tapping for generic mana instead of colorless, like things like uh, treasures do, but still just having a critical mass of, of permanence, whether the tokens or not, it Mm -hmm. can always be utilized. There's plenty of things that sacrifice artifacts, um, for mana or for effect, there's plenty of things like I'm a huge fan of the Reckless Fireweaver variant. It doesn't matter if they're coming in tapped because everyone's coming in tapped is dealing a damage and I can just get you dead. 
So I definitely think with things like prototype and with things like just utilizing um, a color on a lot of uh, a lot of these artifacts, mm-hmm. I appreciate that they're trying to. They know that like I think I think everyone agrees that artifacts are the easiest thing to bust in Magic. We've yes. seen this across several sets, and I appreciate the efforts they're trying to take to. Uh, dial that back and put some safety valves on that but once again I, I i literally just don't have faith i'm like something will something will break something's gonna break so maybe it's the power stones but uh you never know yeah i, yeah. Don't, I don't think the power stones are it I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that makes a power stone but mm-hmm. it's entirely possible i've missed it i i have not put as much time into the set as i would like I don't think I've seen a ton of stuff that's like, whenever you do X, make a power stone. And those are usually the effects that get that broken. I think we've got a couple of those somewhere, but it's certainly eluding me as to where. What I'm I'm really thinking of um, as something that, you know, most of these are, you know, create a power stone tacked onto a lot of cards. But then we have Great Desert Prospector, a five mana, three, two in white. When it enters the battlefield, create a tapped Power Stone token for each other creature you control. See, now that's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in white, you can make a a giant board. Now, my mind is, of course, going to go to um, PDH, and I'm thinking, okay, so you have a bunch of token white creatures, and then there's got to be, you know, some amount of artifacts you can play with in white, but it's not um, artifacts main color at the common rarity. But, you know, you, you open it up to, to EDH and you've got, like, Awaken the Woods, uh, that new giant green mythic spell. Create X-1-1 green forest dryad land creature tokens. And then drop a great desert prospector. Uh, and you've got more mana than God. But uh, Correct. <laughs> in EDH, correct. there are plenty of easier ways to, to get infinite mana as well. Um, I, since I'm far enough removed from standard or other 60-card <laughs> formats, I have no idea how, you know... Um, powerful that will be i think we got like one payoff yesterday for these so i'm trying to find where that was but i really don't have a good way of looking for it (laughs) i would be surprised i'm i mean i'm reasonably removed from standard um every now and then i kind of check on what the metagame is doing i would be surprised if power stones are a legitimate force in standard um but you know honestly if they are i wouldn't be mad Mm -hmm. because like just you know what just have your fun do your thing right if power stones is a meta deck like get in there i feel like power stones are going to only get better with time due to Mm. the next set being phyrexia notably now there's a creature type phyrexian that that sort of occupies some of that space but also there's a lot of machines on phyrexia Mm-hmm. And so more artifacts coming. And then we have two sets called March of the Machines. And so I feel like Power Stones are going to be... Some cards are going to have to come back to be looked at as they print more and more artifacts. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was uh, some sort of like big mana ramp control deck that basically bided its time, made as much Power Stones as possible, and then all those things that have prototype that you could mm. pay like four mana or you could pay 10 mana. Yeah. They're just going to pay the 10 generic and have it or, uh, or even play something like portal to Phyrexia, which is a sick card, by the way. 
uh, nine mana for nine generic for an artifact when it enters each opponent sacks three creatures and then at the beginning of your upkeep put a put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control under your control it's a phyrexian in addition to its other types um that's just going to be a crazy finisher for especially for something in, in standard you know mm-hmm. or uh even phyrexian flesh gorger as you mentioned one of those big uh prototype cards just ward pay life equal to phyrexian flesh gorger's power once that thing's oh, a yeah. seven five it's gonna be a little spicy oh yep yeah um something that i actually kind of want to talk about briefly for standard and uh eric i feel like you'll be into this is a uh, clay champion it just seems kind of nutty uh mono white aggro has been a deck in standard and uh or most recently until dmu came out and and same thing with mono green aggro and this is x in four generic for a construct is a two two but when it enters the battlefield with <clears throat> three plus one plus one counters for each double green spent to cast it so if you mm. just pay green 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 this is just a four mana eight eight and when it enters choose up to two other target creatures you control for each double white spent um put a one one counter on each of those if you're going wide in a mono white deck and you spend uh four white on this this is a two two that also buffs two of your other creatures by um two plus one plus ones that seems pretty pretty pushed it is a mythic but like those aggro decks might might come back in uh in, in full force with that guy yeah i i think that's gonna be pretty strong especially with uh the new rare spell uh fade from history to play a board wipe and then just drop an eight eight uh fade from history being two and two green each player who controls an artifact or enchantment creates a 2-2 green bear creature token. Then destroy all artifacts and enchantments. I, I feel like that's a solid wipe. Uh, and will also become a solid wipe in Commander. But uh, if artifact creatures start becoming really popular, I feel like that'll be a good mitigating factor to slow those down. Mm-hmm. Anything else we want to say about these, uh, these mechanics before we dig into some cards? Uh, I think... Um... For better or for worse, there's not that many mechanics just because I feel like we're almost focusing more on the larger themes, like you mm-hmm. said, of just like we're doing artifacts, um, we're doing some Legends Matter sort of stuff, uh, which I'm fine. We don't need a million new mechanics every set, and we have been sort of getting that at least the last couple of years. Uh, so I'm, mind to, I'm fine to just kind of take a backseat on that and just look more strictly at just designing a card as opposed to necessarily niching it into a mechanic. We also have, um, I want to say that this is the first time that we're just keywording mechanics on cards, even though there's only like one or two in the set. We're just like, here we go. Because a lot of times they would, instead of having the keyword, they would right. write like the text out, but it wouldn't technically have the keyword. Um, and I think we're we're moving towards that, which I yeah, I, I think appreciate. that was a shift in direction right before spoilers started. We saw a bunch of keyworded landfall and keyworded surveil, um, which I think is is on the whole a good move. And although it does have the the mechanical, um, at least as far as surveil is concerned, it has the mechanical change where cards like Demir Spybug, uh, that has I think it gets a one one counter whenever you surve- surveil, uh, now has far more cards that can trigger it um so i know some people were looking at things like that landfall of course is just like an ability word as opposed to like an actual ability so it wasn't as much the case with that one but with surveil we could actually see changes in uh old old demir uh cards from one of those ravnica sets yeah i would like them to continue to kind of retroactively update things and and 
and print new things with that in mind just because it does mm -hmm. uh, make it a lot more synergistic for those sort of decks and like keyword certain keyword tribal is uh, very viable yeah. in a lot of like edh style things so yeah. a lot of people like to do that so anyway let's talk about some spoilers does anyone know how 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 much of the spoilers these are by the time this comes out we'll probably have the entire set but well we'll definitely have the entire set i think we'll have the full set by friday um but i think we're it, it's been it's been a weird i think 175 cards are out so far of like gosh there's probably what like 250 total yeah so. because we've got the full set we've got eight cards that are in the commander set that aren't in the commander decks we have the commander decks we have the essentially um mystical archive artifacts the old border <laughs> cards that are going to be in every booster um and then the rollout of these two was kind of weird because of Magic 30 last weekend, where a bunch of cards were kind of just dropped over the weekend, which is not something we normally see. So I think we have far more of the set than we normally do at this time, because um, we're seeing everything from commons to uncommons to rares, where normally it's more of a trickle with those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Magic 30 happened. That was the thing. Magic 30 happened. Apparently it was a lot of fun and a little weird, but... Such as... I was going to say, it didn't look like it totally imploded, but I, uh, you know, it is what it is. Anyway. New cards. Uh, there's a new Teferi then, that looks honestly more fine than most Teferis we've seen. And that's good. Yeah, we did I, have this conversation uh, beforehand. Yeah, I, I hesitate to see more fine than other Teferis only because... Um, of the ability for Teferi to constantly create um, blockers and tokens. So not for, for uh, you know, Eternal Format's fine, but otherwise you've got a, a Planeswalker and in blue, which is not a color known for token creation and creatures, where if you're drawing a couple of cards per turn, you can just keep making um, these 2-2 two -two blue spirits with Vigilance. And every time you draw a card, they also get a 1-1 one -one counter on them. So once you land this Teferi, yes, he won't be bouncing as many things uh, back to your opponent's deck, but getting um, loyalty counters at least one per turn, regardless of using these actions, uh, I think this can get a little bit dangerous in those 60-card formats. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that will come down to how, how much burn or like aggressive cards exist. Because mm -hmm. if you drop him, minus two him, and then maybe draw another card, that's only three loyalty counters that need to be removed. And if there is a good way to just hit a Planeswalker for three, either with like good aggressive flying creatures or... Um, isn't there some version of mm -hmm. Bolt that only hits creatures and walkers? I don't remember. Uh Right. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure we have Lightning Strike in the form. Yeah. So. There's also, um, you know, since Teferi gets a loyalty count every time you draw a card, you can have Teferi grow at instant speed, which is another thing you'd like to hold up and worry about, especially in a format with Consider, I think is still legal. Yeah. Uh, not saying it won't be problematic. It just looks a lot more fine. Uh, for those of you who don't have the card in front of you, by the way, New Teferi's Teferi Temporal Pilgrim, 3 and 2 blue. Uh, whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on Teferi. That's Jeff saying you're always going to get at least one a turn after you play him, because you're going to draw for start a turn. 
Uh, zero is draw a card, which is pretty much just plus one. Plus one. <laughs> uh, minus two, create a two-two blue spirit creature token with vigilance, and whenever you draw a card, put a one-one counter on this creature. Prob- probably the scariest ability on this, as Chev has pointed out. And then, should you let your opponent draw twelve card or draw eight cards without damaging Teferi in any way, uh, target opponent chooses a permanent they control, returns it to its owner's hand, then they shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library. So, you get one thing back to your hand, the rest of the stuff goes to your library, but that's a Planeswalker ultimate, and evaluating based on those it isn't mm-hmm. usually helpful. Yeah. I agree with you, Eric. I don't think this is as like blatantly... The last couple Teferis we've had have just been like blatantly like, this is yeah. game-warpingly strong. That being said, I still think this card is going to be really freaking annoying, and uh, I know, I know, I know, I'm definitely just feeding into like the biases of Magic Twitter here, but I feel like we just, we all hate Teferi. Just stop, just stop making Teferi Planeswalkers, please. Every time you make them, they're just. Yeah, I guess it's it's the problem you know, when you're a time mage, ah. right? Because the the way that we see time is bounce, and bounce is not as. It, it sometimes feels worse than just straight up removal. Um, well, it's not even not even necessarily the bounce. It's it's all sorts of like, Teferi has spanned the entire gamut of doing all sorts of whack, whack bounce, stuff. Bounce, put it three and, from uh, the top. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, put it three from the top. Um, your opponent can't play things at instant speed. You can play everything at instant speed. All that sort of yeah. It's just it's just stop. Like please just just stop. <laughs> but uh, you know it is what it is. It is what it is. Now let's talk about cards we actually want to play. <laughs> we got a we have a new command cycle, which I think is pretty cool. Always love to see new commands, and this time they're like the main. We've got uh, there's Mishra's command in red, Gix's command in uh, black, Urza's command in blue. Um, also, unfortunately, most of them are not uh, like super busted. Also, it looks like most of them are sorceries. Um, but yeah, you know, modality is cool, and these will be. Uh, I'm assuming on the cheaper end, you know, not like Kayla's command, not, not three mana white. Uh, one of the abilities is search your library for a basic planes, reveal it and put it into your hand then shuffle. God, why can't it just be put on the battlefield? Cause that's a green I, I ability bet that's where they're, they, so they, they've done a couple color pie updates with this set. One was thinking that, uh, in previous artifact sets, green is either dealing with destroying the artifacts or just ignoring them in favor of something else. And they've decided that green will have, like, animating artifacts to a certain extent. We have a couple cards that essentially the, the green ability of putting 1-1 one, one counters on lands and having them turn into elementals. We're now doing that with putting 1-1 one, one counters onto artifacts. Um, that feels wrong. Feels incredibly wrong. <laughs> yeah. And soul artifact effects are still blue, uh, but animating them is, uh, they've decided, is green. And so I think that is like something they're pushing, but I also wouldn't be surprised if white, you know, we've seen that sort of card draw coming to white slowly, slowly. I bet white at some point gets like tutoring lands to hand. And this is the first kind of poke at it or tutoring specifically basic planes to hand. I mean, white's already well, I mean, been doing that, that for a while. Before. Yeah. True. That's the thing though, is that you, it, it doesn't, doesn't do me any good in the hand because I can still only play one land a turn, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we also well, saw... the color of fairness, so that's, I don't think that's going to change it, In the Warhammer set, we saw a Space Marine that tutored A-planes from the deck to the field. Oh, I think maybe true. untapped, I don't remember. Yeah, there's, there's like a few white cards that do that, like Knight of the White Orchid, right? Um, 
And, but yet like every now and then we do, but like, you know, come on. <laughs> give, give, you know, give a little bit. Space Marine Scout, uh, two and a white. First Strike Vigilance, two, one. Uh, when Space Marine Scout enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library for a planes card, mm. not a basic, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So largely, if you're in, like, Esper or some other color combination, you can use this to grab a Triome. Mm-hmm. But not worth going crazy over. Yeah. Run Tithe. Bada boom. Um, Diabolic Intent reprint, uh, pretty huge. With some one janky black. art. <laughs> yeah, the art's the art is janky as all heck. But one in a black, sack a creature, uh, demonic tutor basically. Um, this is kind of huge. That card was getting way up there. I mean, I'm sure this is not going to drop the price too too much, but uh, you know, definitely a card that a lot of people looked for, either for synergy or also just a cheaper demonic tutor. And also, it's going to be in standard, which is going to be uh, quite interesting. Considering the best decks are presently like just all mono black variants, so yeah, it, it's it's coming in at like just ten dollars less than Demonic Tutor right now. Um, last printing in Battle Bond is at twenty eight, which is kind of wild. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I know it was like a forty dollar card for a bit. I don't mm-hmm. know if that was the Battle Bond printing or the um. The well, it was printing, it was but... in Plane Shift and then got a um, Amonkhet Masterpiece Edition, so. Before Battle Bond, it hadn't seen because I picked up. I think I picked up my Battle Bond Diabolic Tutor for like six dollars. I, I think it dropped pretty heavily on release, um, but being you know a two mana tutor, that doesn't feel right. But I wouldn't be surprised just because people are dumb. Yeah, I don't know. Battle Bond was opened a lot. We all love Battle Bond. Hoping to play some <laughs> this week. True. <laughs> yeah. True. 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 Perhaps the only time you'll ever hear me say this, a fun-looking artifact, uh, Liberator <laughs> Urza's Battle yeah. Chapter. <laughs> First off, this shit looks like a Dark Souls boss. Straight up. Second. Yeah, the art is uh, janky. Uh, it's a three-mana legendary artifact creature, Thopter. So for all you all you Thopter lovers, we got a legendary Thopter. Um, flash, flying. You may cast colorless spell. Spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. Whenever you cast a spell, if the amount of mana spent to cast that spell is greater than this card's power, put a 1 1 counter on it. And it starts out as 1 2. Hmm. So, not not the strongest card nifty. in the world immediately, but. Yeah. I mean, hey, you want to flash out your Eldrazi uh, for 3 extra mana? This seems like a pretty good, pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Wilmog riding the Liberator. That would be a horrifying way to use this card. Um, <laughs> I think they, they probably said colorless, just meaning like Karn. But uh, it does open up some fun possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think this works with uh, the Devoid Eldrazi too, because those are technically colorless. It, it would. So th- this is a this is yeah. a good pickup, Eric. Good, good find. Happy to help, Jeff. Happy to help. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, um, to limit talking about um, commons, because I know we'll do that on House of Commons. Um, but Takazia's Dig Site seems like a very solid land um, all around. 
It's a common taps for color list, but you can tap three in it to surveil one. So this is no war room, of course, which is tap three, draw a card, lose life, equal to the number of colors of your commander, I think. Um, but having this ability in, in all colors at the common rarity upgrades every deck and is great to, you know, um, help graveyard-themed decks or just get the land off the top of your deck after you've drawn five. Speaking of, uh, speaking of lands, not a common land, unfortunately, an uncommon land, but uh, Demolition Field is a huge pickup. Mm -hmm. uh, taps for a colorless, and then you can two and tap it to destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls. Uh, then that land's controller may search their library for a basic land, uh, and you may as well and put them both on the battlefield uh, and shuffle. Fixed um, this field huge of ruin. pickup, yeah, fixed field of ruin because in commander now um, the other two players don't just get to randomly get a land, <laughs> um, and uh, and also, um, assumedly this will be cheaper than that as well. So. Uh -oh. Just a nice little, nice little pickup or mm -hmm. redundancy if you need a lot of land destruction, targeted land destruction in your meta. Speaking of uh, common cards, uh, an another card that sort of replicates a black effect that I know is relatively common in PDH, uh, Ashnod's Intervention. Mm. One black for yep. an instant uh, until in turn, turn creature gets plus two plus zero and gains when this creature dies or is put into a graveyard uh, or is put into an exile from the battlefield return it to its owner's hand uh it, it's not the immediate return but uh interesting little black combat trick that yeah all those effects yeah. are good always good to have more of those for sure i'm especially thinking of um yeah since it goes to hand that might be helpful for particularly julian do you think this would be good for cormella because I know the, the Cormella uh, CPDH um, deck um, specifically wants these cards. So Cormella on using the ability, um, or I think it's, what is it? When it dies, you get to get a card back from your graveyard. Um, and so the, the idea is you keep returning it to the battlefield, but there are very few abilities that let it return untapped. Um, so if you have the, the right mana engine going, since it's going to hand and has haste, you can kind of get it up back onto the, the battlefield in an untapped way. Mm. But that might be a little yeah. man-intensive. I mean, a lot of combos in, in that realm are, are <laughs> a little uh, intensive in, in all ways. But yeah, it definitely it definitely is something that could be could be utilized for sure. Is Third Path Savant also a combo? We're just doing House of Commons now. Is Third Path Savant also <laughs> a sub-out for... Uh, the what is what is third path savant i know the iconoclast which uh is the non-creature spells make a one one colorless soldier uh, no, uh but third path savant two in a blue seven mana draw two cards is oh. there's the one blue green combo right there's one uh, oh, oh yeah oh. lay in a lay in lore, yeah, yeah. lore would this be a That's sub a for lore not that you need a sub for lore because if you have lay you have lore mm -hmm. um yeah does it say does it say target player draws two cards or you draw two Just, cards? Uh, uh, you draw two you cards, draw. which is not normally what Lay and Lore try to do. Yeah, oh, it, normally Lay and Lore try and deck your opponents out because it says target player draws two cards. Mm -hmm. But you could use it once you have infinite mana. You could use it as theoretically redundancy to get to a piece or something. Draw through your deck to find yeah. like a capsize or something to return everyone's permanence. I'm gonna bring us back because I have two mythics that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. 
stop talking about commons and stuff. Boring. Um, first off, yeah, I know the worst. Uh, gotta gotta mention Awaken the Woods. Uh, Chev, you mentioned it earlier, but green green X sorcery create X one one green forest dryad land creature tokens. Um, one, but this is just weird because we're dealing with things that are also lands and they're also creatures. Um, this procs anything that cares about creatures coming in. It also procs anything that cares about lands coming in. <clears throat> Tatiova. Um, so this is definitely something that's going to get a little uh, wonky, um, and especially when you have a, a lot of mana, like you might in green. Um, this is going <laughs> to generate some some weird board states and some some interesting things. Um, technically, they are affected by summoning sickness, though. It says right on the card, which is because that's is what I'm concerned about when uh, you're, you're getting uh, ten you landfall triggers. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Well, you can't tap them for mana, but I'm sure we have a way to give them haste so we can tap them for mana or just attack with them. Um, or just draw ten cards with Tatiova. Well, that uh, you don't need haste for that. <laughs> um, or just kill but, the uh, table the other... with Thunderfoot Balos. Yep. And like, either there's haste. a lot of good landfall abilities. Lands good. <laughs> Land good. <laughs> Crater Hoof Behemoth. Um, and then the other one that I'm actually I'm more excited about. This is a five five generic artifact creature construct. Four six. It's platoon dispenser. At the beginning of your end step, if you control two or more other creatures, draw a card. Uh, three and a white, create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token and unearth for two white-white. Uh, this is a huge pickup for just like a lot of white-based decks, um, whether that's a Selesnya tokens deck, a mono-white tokens deck, um, any sort of... Uh, I would say any sort of tokens deck or any just like mono-white-ish deck, this is just another way to draw cards, generate advantage right you're generating bodies for mm -hmm. whatever you might need um it, whether it's blocking or, or suiting up with equipment or whatever and also the card advantage i think is, is huge so uh, I'm, I'm huge on platoon dispenser and i think that's going to be a great pickup for kind of mid mid power level decks yeah i think so far the the card i'm excited for most is the rare uh mishra the mishra tamer of makfawa so this is what, what Julian alluded to a little earlier, I've I've wanted to make an Unearth deck for a while, so I've been looking at Cedrus, uh, which is six mana, uh, and then creature cards in your graveyard get Unearth, I think black and two generic, which is pretty good, and you know, you, you, you do your best in EDH to get around the fact that when a creature is Unearthed, uh, you sacrifice it at end of combat, or, or at the uh, end of turn, so you use... You... Yeah, exile it, actually. Well, either way, you play things like... Um, sundial of the infinite or blink effects that override the exile um and that's how you kind of get around it and then you just have to remember that they exile when they leave but mishra is a five mana four four permanents you control have ward sacrifice a permanent so already winning and then each artifact card in your graveyard has unearth one black and a red so it's a little harder to unearth and you're you're losing um blue so you don't get those blink things anymore but you can tutor your uh, sundial of the infinite directly to the graveyard and bring that back with unearth which is truly awesome um and since it's artifacts you can do more broken stuff so i think that this is probably most likely the deck of any that i make from this um mishra also has a cool like blueprint of a mechanical arm uh, art that seems pretty awesome and it just seems like a super fun uh use of graveyard in a way uh, that is an interesting departure from my previous Graveyard Artifacts deck, which is Osgur. Uh, and we're adding black, which I've really tried to 
bring into more of my decks recently since it's the color I like to play most. Mm. Yeah. I know that I'm not supposed to talk about standard anymore, but like, dang, it would be so sick if there was a deck with this guy in standard and you got to put things like all the, all the like 10 mana, uh, um, prototype Ooh, yeah. things. Mm -hmm. And if you just loot them away and then you get Mishra down and like Mishra, I don't know how much token generation there is in standard right now, like incidental token generation. Um, but like sacrificing a permanent is huge to have to like kill this guy. Right. So I feel like people won't want to do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, next turn, you're going to have six mana because he costs right. five. That's the only downside is that he costs five. If he costs like three or four, it'd be mm -hmm. busted. Um, but, you know, and then next turn, it's like unearth two Phyrexian Flesh Gorgers, which is the Menace Lifelink 7-5 that Eric was talking about earlier. Yep. Uh, which also has, it has, it would double ward because that has ward pay life equal to its power. And then it would also have ward uh, sacrifice a permanent, which I guess, I guess you'd have to do both, right? Because yeah. instances of so. ward stack, I think. Yeah, because yeah, they both just try so. to counter the spell. Because that is how Ward mm -hmm. works, is it attempts to counter the spell. So, uh, it's, it's a cool way, like, if you have uncounterable removal, it gets past Ward. But, um, yeah, no. This guy could absolutely be a menace if it turns out there's an efficient way to fill your graveyard in standard. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, I look forward to doing that Yeah, I'm sure he's even more of a menace in EDH. <laughs> well, yeah, everything's more of a menace in EDH. Uh, speaking of a menace, uh, how about how about Gix, the sixth Praetor yeah. card we've ever seen, uh, continues to deliver on these cards being wild and Gix mm. is a three mana Praetor though, one and two black. Uh, whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card. Four and three black, discard X cards, exile the top X cards of your opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. Beautiful. So, I'm in for you it. just fill up your hand, pitch it, and then rip your opponent's deck away. This feels like it is a <laughs> sick fucking deck. I, uh, if you value your friendships, no. But yes, this would be a sick deck. It's like Mill. It's cool. <laughs> well, it's, so it's there's a combination there's that of philosophical Mill like, and Gaunti. Yeah, which is no, a lot of people don't like their deck going away, and a lot of people don't like seeing their own spells <laughs> used against them. So you get like the double jeopardy of uh, social <laughs> malfeasance. Mm. It's fair. But I think it would be fun to do. Yeah. Hey, Julian, I, 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 Julian, I, I just like read the, the first line again. Yeah. I'm drawing you cards. <laughs> That's true. You're right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm I'm less I'm I have less of a, a beef against Mill anymore, but still when people are like stealing my spells and stuff, that still still gets me. But Oh um, yeah. I do like that this uh lets you play the lands, um, and also doesn't have, like, a timer on it. A lot of red cards are like, oh, yeah. until your next turn or something. Also, I never get this right. But I want to say the way this is worded, the ability is tied to the cards now in exile and not Gix. So if he goes away, you still ha you have access to those for mm. the whole game, right? Yes. Maybe, I please? don't think so. I thought that was how I, this worked based on the wording. Maybe. Because I think uh, the other well, way... So maybe it's a templating would, update. The other templating would be discard X cards... Exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. 
text break, new line. You may play lands and cast spells from Hmong right. cards exiled with uh, by uh, Gix Yawgmoth Praetor. And that would mean yes. you couldn't once he went away. But I feel like right. with the so, given templating, it becomes an inherent property of the cards now exiled. Well, that's what I would think. Like, would the card... It, I, I thought it would say something like cards um, exiled this way, gain, you may, whatever, whatever. Because, like, it, since it's not inherently tied to the card, but I have to assume that it works in the most broken way um, since it is on a legendary creature. So <laughs> I bet you yeah. can cast them from exile. But I thought I'd seen the templating before where it's like, specifically calling out that the cards gain that ability it's possible not you gaining the ability i don't feel like they say that when you it's like oh you can cast from exile when it's like true yeah when you're no, talking you're about right. like a creature like, oh, until that creature turn. gains this okay thing. Ooh, yeah then it probably it's probably right let's just bring in the weird arena text like permanently or whatever uh perpetually perpetually yeah let's get that involved <laughs> Um, Bring out the stickers. Put a Gix sticker on cards exiled this way. No, no. Uh, for anyone who has not seen, by the way, don't be an idiot. Don't put a sticker on your foil card. It's obviously gonna mm. fuck it up. Yep. Yeah, that was a. That don't was a don't a put a sticker on a card that. Put it on the sleeve. A that. That too. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think Gix is an interesting way to take a Praetor. Like, a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three is definitely not something we've seen with Praetors before. Mm-hmm. And, uh... It's... It's a cool way for it to go. I probably got uh, one more card to, to call out before... Well, actually, two cards. One is because I'm surprised that Julian hasn't called them out, but... Um, we've got Persistent Behemoth. Spoiled today, 5-mana 2-7, Artifact Beast... You may play lands from your graveyard or unearth it for two green. And that's something that we see on a couple of these are specifically artifacts, not even artifact creatures that have unearth, um, but have like a cool little ability that you can do something with um, and, and essentially just a spell to cast from your graveyard um, that are, are, are pretty cool. But what I want to point out too is we have our fourth uh, Urza land, Urza's Workshop. Taps for a colorless or tap and add a, uh, with Metalcraft, tap and add a colorless for each Urza's land you control. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Oh, no. So kind of like that Locust land we used to see. Um, I think entries oh. tapped and taps for a one for each Locust you control. But obviously with this, uh, you know, you get the other Urza's lands out there. That's great. You copy this. That's great. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways to kind of break this open a little bit. Hold on. I was just looking up the word Urza on Scryfall to pull up all the Urza lands. And you know what? I should have put type land in there. But instead, I've discovered the card Sunglasses of Urza. Yes. They are red tinted sunglasses. And they just say, you may use white mana in your mana pool as though it were red. And that is stupid. And very funny, but very stupid. Incredible. Especially because Urza is not known for being the color red. <laughs> That's why he made the glasses. Also notably, uh, a fun interaction with another card from the set, Root Path Purifier. This is the crazy uh, commander card, four mana, three, four. Lands you control and land cards in your library are basic. So all your Cultivates, Kodama's Reaches, um, any spell that can tutor up 
basic lands can now tutor up any land. Um, and something, since Urza's is a type, if you had Myriad Landscape out, tap for two, fetch two basics that share a type, you can fetch two of the Urza lands. Uh, right, so I can grab my Urza's Funhouse and Urza's Saga, right? Exactly. I, I was going to say you just uh, you just grab uh, Field of the Dead and then any, any other land, but yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I'm going to grab Urza's Funhouse. That might... I think that's important to me. <laughs> Field, Field of the Dead and uh, Guy's Cradle. There you go. Right? Because that, that's how that works. Because they're basic. They're basic, so you can... They don't share a type, though. Yeah. Oh, well, I, that's fine. Not You don't need mirrored landscape. You can do uh, Kodama's Reach or anything and just grab those. It's easy. That might be that might be the only card. I Tatiova has gotten to the point where she's so, you know, there's little space in there. But that, that card, just for the fact that it can get me, you know, some of my dual lands or some of my, like, utility mm-hmm. lands, namely Field of the Dead, that might have to uh, get uh, put in there. I'm not looking forward to what the price tag is on it, though. Julian, I'm absolutely yeah. making room for that card in... Uh... When Golos returns either to legality or I find a new five-color commander to use instead of him, that card is immediately going in there as well because I'm tired of playing yeah. the Blood Moon. Yes, it does get around Blood Moon. There's actually there's a, a card I was thinking about specifically against Eric's five-color decks, and I'm not sure if I'll ever get it off, so I have to tell you about it now. Um, Horrifying. The Stone Brain. Two mana, legendary artifact. Brother, tap two in it. Brother. Exile the Stone Brain. Choose a card name. Not non-land card name. Search target opponent's graveyard handed library for up to four cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles, draws a card for each card, exile this way uh, from their hand. So, hypothetically, if you uh, don't have any of your forests out, we could just get rid of all of them. And I, uh, I well, enjoy that. No, you can get rid of four, four of, of them. them, which is all of them. Which is all of them in a five-color deck. Five color yeah. deck. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair Ain't enough. nobody got room to run five basic forests to avoid the stone brain. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. Especially because I can yeah. just be like, Chev, what if you let me cast Omniscience just for science again? And then he does after using the stone brain to destroy all my forests. Or exile them. Or if you're playing uh, something like Oscar and you're up against a monocolor deck, um, oh no, because it's legendary. Oh, they they see they see through my plan. Oh wait, we've got enough things that that can duplicate without worrying about legendary now. I'm not concerned. Just make a bunch of these and exile all their lands. God. I mean, you could also just <laughs> exile your opponent's win conditions instead of their lands. Uh. Because but where's the fun in that? I want to see. I want to see the pain in your eyes when you draw the win condition and have no way to use it. Chev, also to be clear, this does not target the field. I I believe it's search graveyard right. library. So you have to hand. get them. Mm-hmm. This is. I I mean, I'm not known for plans that make a hundred percent sense. I'm known for seventy. I can agree sense. with that. I can agree with <laughs> that thing that you said. Anyway. Anything else we want to talk about or highlight? I just have one more card I want to talk about because, frankly, it's dumb. But I like it, but it's dumb. Uh, Thanos the Toymaker. Yo, Thanos, I was going to talk about this guy. Le- absolute, absolute legend. Well, literally a legendary creature, but absolute Chad from, like, um, 
you know, magic lore and stuff. He had that uh, crazy red-blue version where he was copying uh, activated abilities of artifacts yep. um, from a couple commander sets ago. Uh, but now he's Simic because, sure, um, but he doesn't have anything to do with drawing cards or playing lands. He's three, a green and a blue for a three-five artificer. And whenever you cast... I'm just going to let you guess. What, what what kind of spell would you maybe expect? Maybe an artifact. Whenever you cast an artifact, do something. No, no, no. Whenever you cast a beast or bird creature spell, um, because someone tell me the lore there, uh, you may copy it, except the copy <laughs> is an artifact in addition to its other types. So, uh, before Thanos met Urza, because the, the card specifically that um, Julian's referring to is Thanos Urza's Apprentice, before Thanos met Urza, his favorite thing was making toys. Uh, and so he made like little mechanical birds and whatever. And even in the story this time, um, there was like a little bird that had been made by Thanos that was still around Urza's tower. Uh, there's actually two versions of Thanos in this set. There's Thanos the Toy Maker in the main set. And then there's Thanos Solemn Survivor um, in the commander set. And that one is a two mana one three tap. Uh, two and it create a token that's a copy of up to one target artifact token you control mill two or one in esper tap sacrifice two artifact tokens exile an artifact or creature card from your graveyard create a token that's a copy of the exile card except it's an artifact in addition to its other types so we we still get a a slightly more intense tanos um the the solemn survivor lore though is much worse it's like after the brothers war uh tanos seeks out uh kayla survivor of krug urza's um i guess ex-wife because urza's now dead and gone um and and tries to help her by recreating uh the machines that they had made during the brothers war to help this city as the ice age approaches but he realized when um he realized when a, a band of marauders came to attack the town he turned their robots into weapons of war again realized that this was an endless cycle of creating mechs that destroy and lit his factory on fire and committed suicide. So Yikes. it did not end well for the toy maker. Well, that's fun. But hey, at least in the main set, we got Tano's tinkering. <sighs> Good lord. Anyway, I might make a, a beast bird deck. I gotta look at what uh, what we got going on. I bet, I bet there's some fun stuff. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. All right, I think that's all. that's all the time we got. <laughs> that's that this um this set is a a doozy i there's a lot going on have a good evening uh subscribe to patreon uh chev at this point we have updated patreon tiers that are good mm -hmm. and are helpful to us and you you get stuff we get stuff is economics baby um use the tcg player code also economics baby it costs you nothing and you're already going to buy cards so why not do it true um and finally uh should you wish to purchase ad space from us uh we will read almost any ad that uh you could want us to read <laughs> um that's a that's a good any um, ad, ad any ad any <laughs> not ad. any ad notably not any ad just almost any ad uh, but yeah, have a, uh, have a good night and yeah. Yeah.